2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 1, he says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the word. Verse 2, preach the word of God. Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Now, preach. You go, okay, so he's talking to Timothy. Timothy must be a preacher. That does not apply to me. But the word preach here means to announce the good news. Can you announce the good news, the gospel of Jesus? Yes. Do you have to be a pastor to do that or an evangelist on the platform? No. So he says that he urges him to preach the word of God, be prepared to do it at any time. Now, I know we use this scripture a lot of times when we talk about getting up on a platform. No, be prepared at any time to minister to somebody. I think it was uh, Becky was talking about, she was walking through the the airport. I think this is correct. Walking through the airport, and she got to minister and pray with somebody in the airport because she was allowing the Holy Spirit to lead her. She was prepared. You do not have to go to church to minister to somebody. You just need to be prepared in listening to the Holy Spirit to be able to minister to that person. So she had that opportunity to minister to that person. Um, and I don't remember the whole story, so you can ask her after church. But I do remember that she was a, had that opportunity. But I was just, I was so proud that a member of Unlimited Church was prepared and willing to listen and to preach and proclaim the good news to somebody. And, and, and you go, well, I don't know the scriptures very well. That doesn't matter. The good news is that Jesus saves and he gives us hope and he heals us and he's there for us and he loves us and he cares about us. That's the good news. You don't have to know everything. You just got to be able to tell people about uh, who your friend Jesus is, a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now he says, be prepared. Now he says this too, patiently correct. Notice he said patiently. You know, everybody goes, well, you can't correct people. No, no. He says you can correct people. And then you got the other per- people that correct, and they're like, boom, they correct you. Know, and you're like, no. He says, patiently, be patient, understand that people aren't perfect. People are going to make mistakes. People ain't going to do everything you think they're supposed to do right when they're supposed to do it. Let me tell you something. If somebody comes in to our church who is living a lifestyle that's not correct, whatever that lifestyle is, what do you do? You, you're patient with them. Christy and I were attending a a church uh, years ago, years ago, and we were in there, and Christy, and there was this couple that was going to this church. Now, how they ended up staying at this church is beyond me because the the way they got there, and it just didn't work out the way you would have thought. But they ended up staying at the church. They weren't involved, and Christy and I became friends with them. We were college and career pastors, and we became friends with this, this, this couple, and she wore things that were it was highly inappropriate to wear to church. And she called herself a Christian. And so what Christy did is Christy patiently lived out in front of her the way she should dress. And when she had an opportunity, would say something. Hey, hey, sis, have you ever thought of when you wear this, what people can see, what it looks like? And today she dresses a lot differently. Why? Because... Christy didn't just come up to her and rebuke her, but she patiently, slowly corrected her in what she was doing. But it says patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. The people that you're you're around, 
In this church, we want to encourage you with good teaching. That's why we have Sunday morning discipleship. That's why we have preaching. That's why we have Wednesday nights. That's why we have our women's group, because we want to encourage you with good teaching. That's why we have those things. And when we take ourselves away from that, I will say this, when you take yourself away from it, you can't be encouraged if you're not there to be encouraged in that good teaching. But I, I do want to say in this world today, we hear a lot about not judging people. We hear a lot about not saying things. Oh, you shouldn't say that. Uh, it was uh, Abigail or somebody was talking about something the other day, and, and uh, one of the, other, not our girls, another girl said to her, said, don't say that, you're judging. I think it was Abigail. It might have been Chloe. I get them mixed up. But it was Chloe. Don't do that, you're judging. And she's like, no, I'm not judging. I'm just, this is, this is fact that you're not supposed to be this way. And, and we can, the Scripture tells us, we can correct and we can rebuke. But we need to do it in love, and that's not a catchphrase, all right? Because there's a lot of people, well, I do it in love. No, no, not if you're mad and you're ticked off and you're angry. That's not love. That's not love. Love is when a person is hanging up on a cross and says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's love, okay? And so when we're going, when, when the Lord calls us or we see something going on, we do it with love. And with compassion, what we learned in discipleship in Psalm chapter 51, he said that he says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Well, that's who we need to be like. We need to be like Jesus. We need to be like God that we can still rebuke and we can still correct, but we can do it in a way that is compassionate and loving and people will see Jesus in us. I said this morning in class, I said, you know, everybody, they, you sin and people want to run further away from God instead of running closer to him. Because, well, why would God want anything to do with me? I've messed up. Let me go this away. But instead, what we need to tell people is we don't even really have to tell them, boy, you're a horrible sinner. What we need to say is God wants you back. God is more hurt that you're running away from him than he is about what you did. Because if you know what you did wrong, you came back to him, do you understand that the penalty was already paid on the cross and he wants you to receive the grace that is in that, the mercy that is in that? He doesn't want you running away. That hurts him worse. He's already taken the pain of your sin. Don't continue in it. Run to him. Run to him. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 through 4. I don't know why I say chapter 4 because... We're not getting out of chapter 4. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. Now notice, he said right before that, encourage your people with good teaching. He didn't say encourage your people with something that feels good. Okay, watch out. Watch out. There's a lot of that out there. We're going to encourage them with what feels good. Let me tell you something. Some things don't feel so good. When you get in the Word, some things don't feel right and good. And, you know, you know what? There's some things that you eat that don't always taste so great, but they may be healthy for you, right? That's why they, you know, that's why they put, put vitamins in a pill so you don't have to taste them. You just swallow them. Have you ever bitten to a one a day? It's nasty because it's got vitamins in it. Sometimes what the Lord gives us in his word and the teaching that we receive doesn't feel good, but it should challenge us to live a life that is pleasing to him and live a life that will draw other people to him. 
That's what it is. You know, even in a spirit-filled church that's on fire for God, we have mistakenly gotten to the point in, in, in some churches that it's the feel-goodness of coming to church. Now, I want us to be encouraged. I want us to feel good when we leave because we're filled up. But at the same time, if the Lord's trying to challenge us, if the Lord's trying, I gave a message in tongues and interpretation in tongues years ago in a church. And uh, praise God, somebody came up and said, you know, I had that interpretation, but I was scared to give it. And so what you said was exactly what the Lord wanted to say. Because I don't really, um, you know, as a young person, I was not into, you know, giving a message in tongues and interpreting myself. I prefer for somebody else to do it because I never wanted it to come off as you're telling everybody what to do. But in that, pretty much the, the, the gist of it was that I'm here, I'm your God, I am here for you, but you are not willing to receive from me. You know? And a lot of people think that, oh, wait a minute, you're, you're rebuking. Well, the Lord sometimes has got to spank us on the rear a little bit to get us going and say, hey, listen, he doesn't always say everything is, he doesn't always say, Adam, you're doing everything exactly right. Sometimes he says, Adam, you need to change. And we have to understand that. And we don't want to come into a church, even in a spirit-filled church that's on fire for God, and go, boy, we must have church because everybody fell out in the spirit. No, we must have church because the Holy Spirit was able to speak whatever he needed to, whether it was through the pastor or whether it was through somebody else or whether it was through somebody falling out in the spirit. Whichever way God wanted to do it. And I take and I give a great example. The Pensacola Revival that we were talking about the other day, Brownsville Revival. Yes, there were, there were all kinds of miraculous things that were going on at that revival. But that did not take place of Pastor Steve Hill preaching the Word of God with authority, and he preached some things that would really, really work you over. Why? Because it was truth. And what he was trying to do is bring you to a point of repentance for what you were doing wrong so that God could then move in your life the way he needed to. So we want the supernatural. We want the feel good. We want to feel good when we walk out of here. But at the same time, we, if we are doing something wrong, and if you hear me preach, and you will hear me preach things, and I'll talk about things that are going on in the world, we need to understand there are some confusing things out there that are being taught. Talked about it last week. A girl's a guy, a guy's a girl, and who knows what, and I'm confused. Why? Because it's totally against God. So he says, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. We talked about it this morning. There are homosexuals out there who say they're Christians. There are churches that, that are homosexual churches, even though the Scripture says it's not of God. You've got people out there who think that they can sleep with anybody they want to and still be a Christian. You've got people who think they can live like the world and still get to heaven. Why? Because it feels good. It says they will follow their own desires. That's what they're going to do. What they feel, oh, this feels good to me, so I follow my own desire. and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. I will tell you something. I'm not going to say that every large church, every mega church is bad. It's not, that's not what I'm saying here, okay? So don't take me wrong. But do you understand there are a lot of churches that are filled with people because the preacher says stuff to them that feels good. That feel, they're not, listen. There was a church, and I knew some people in it, a large church, and I ended up talking 
to some of their leaders and one of their elders. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're a spirit-filled church. We believe in this and that and the other. And, the other. and I says, so I asked them. I says, well, why don't you ever preach it? I've attended the church for, for a few months. I was in a transition period and working in Mississippi as a contract uh, insurance adjuster. And so when, we, when I'd come home, we were, in, we were transitioning, trying to figure out where God wanted us in ministry. So we were attending this church. And I says, why don't you do this? And they says, well, you've got to understand, we've got Baptist and Methodist and Presbyterian and, and Catholic. And they went down to, and we don't want to say or do anything that makes them uncomfortable. I'm like, then why do you believe one way, but you teach something else? You know, that's a thing. And you go, well, I understand that not everybody believes in all the gifts of the Spirit, so let's put that aside. But you'll let people come into your church, sit in your church, do things they're not supposed to be doing, and you won't ever say anything about it because you don't want the church to empty out. You don't want fewer people in the church. You want to get it as big as you can. So you don't say something. You know this person over here, and let's, let's take it down to an easy level. You know this person over here is a gossip, and they're constantly gossiping, but you won't do anything about it because sister so-and-so, you don't want her to leave the church because she's going to take 10 other people with her. You know, when I started this church, that's why in our, in, in our vision, the first thing it said, the Lord said, when I was praying, what is the vision? He says, I want it to be a safe place. And Christy and I made a commitment, and I said it that first Sunday morning, I tried to say it every once in a while, we made a commitment that we were not going to let the wolves come in and hang out among the sheep. Because I've seen pastor after pastor after pastor who's afraid to say something to somebody, and all these they go, well, I had a pastor one time. We had this horrible lady in our church. I mean, she was, she was Jezebel. I'm telling you, she was, she was horrible. And she attacked my wife mercilessly, however you say that word. And I, so we went to the pastor. We didn't say anything to this lady. We went to the pastor, and the pastor wouldn't do anything about it. Wouldn't do a thing about it. Wouldn't confront the person at all. Now, I, don't, I could give you all kinds of reasons. He would tell, oh, no, no. We, he says, let's just love her. Let's just love her. And then he said, well, if, if I have her leave the church, then her blood's on my hands. And I'm like, well, what about the blood of all the sheep she just, she's killed off? That she's eaten on. And her posse is eaten on. I mean, this church, at one point, this church had ran hundreds of people. I mean, like seven, 800 people. And her and her group came in the church and slowly whittled that thing down to now that church today runs about 25 people. A church that had momentum, a church that had a great ministry coming out of it, spirit-filled church. But because, because and it, this wasn't the only pastor, but other pastors wouldn't stop her. And why do I use, the, we use gossip? Because we always like to talk about the quote-unquote bigger sins. You know, we always want to talk about, you know, adultery and homosexuality and, and murder. But I want to tell you something. We're murdering the church because of the gossipers and because of the slanderers in the church because we won't say anything because we don't want to say anything about that because we're going to offend somebody. So when I, when I, talk, about, when I talk about that we have to, to say and preach and teach that that is true because people are looking for a place. They are looking for a place that caters to their desires and their itching ears. They want somebody to affirm what they're doing. And he says, those same people will reject the truth and chase after myths. 
That's why we have people in the church today, people in the church today who who believe some crazy things. And I'd, I'd be here all morning telling you some of the crazy things people, but I don't want to get into all that. So verse 5 says, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. What is he saying? He said, hey, don't, don't jump to conclusions. Don't cloud your thinking. Keep a clear mind. Let the, let the Spirit talk to you. Keep it, take your time on it. He said, be patient a minute ago. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. And I want to I say that this morning. Don't be afraid. Suffering's coming, okay? Suffering's coming to the U.S. I don't know when it's going to be. Maybe it's 100 years from now. Maybe it's 20. We already have Christians who are suffering. We have people who are losing their, their businesses because, uh, because the government has, has shut them down because of their faith. You've got uh, the social media, the social media websites are shutting people down because of their belief in certain things. You know, you can't say things about certain, uh, certain different uh, ways of life or your, your uh, hate speech and eventually just saying something like, uh, you know, homosexuality is a sin will be, a, will be hate speech. And people will be put in, you know, will, will, if they're not put in prison, they're going to be uh, pastors talking about pastors. They're going to be extremely limited in other areas of their life. So don't, don't, uh, don't be afraid of suffering. We have Christians around the world that are suffering for the Lord already. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. And remember, when he said don't be afraid of suffering, there, there was a you know, wicked, wicked ruler at the time, and was, he, there was all kinds of Christians that were getting hang, hung on crosses. They ran out of wood because of all of the crosses that were, that were being made out of the wood, they ran out of wood. So he says, don't be afraid of that. And here's what he said, and this is what I want to encourage you in this morning. Be like Paul, verse 7 and 8. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. We need to be able to say that. No matter what happens, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race, and through all of this, I have remained faithful to my God, to my Lord. And he says, because here, listen, the prize isn't here on earth. You know, sometimes we think that a nice house is our prize. Oh, I'm blessed because I got a nice truck. I'm blessed because I got a good job. I'm blessed. No, you're blessed because you want to know why? What he said here, the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness. That's your prize. That's what you're really working toward, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return, and the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. That's what we're working toward. It's not that we can't have some nice things on this earth, but this is our prize. And when we, when we do things, and, and, and I, know I've, I've, I know we, oh, give, give, give to the church and you'll be blessed. No, just, just give to the Lord and you will be blessed. Whether here or whether in heaven, it doesn't matter. You're going to be taken care of. You're going to be blessed. And your blessing and your prize is for you if you look forward to it. And if you say to yourself, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And this is Paul. Paul's fixing to be gone. He's fixing to die. But he said, hey, man, I remain faithful. I remain faithful. All of it. Through all that has went on, I've remained faithful. And that's what we want to say. And that's what, uh, that's what I love, 2 Timothy. I think it's just, uh, it's just a rally cry. 
to us believers, a rally cry to say, hey, let's remain faithful. Let's listen. Let's, let's pay attention. We know things may get hard. We know things may get difficult. We, we know there are going to be people who aren't going to listen to what we have to say because they're looking for something else. They're looking for something that pleases their ears. It makes them feel good. It pleases their desires. But let's remain faithful. Let's remain faithful. Let's remain strong in the Lord.